Welcome to When Ghosts Speak with Melissa and Mary Ann. Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming along for another episode of When Ghosts Speak. Marianne, what fun, is this one fun? What fun story do you have for us? It's sort of informative. Let's put it that way. So maybe sleepy, not so fun? Maybe. Okay. Okay. So when I checked my voicemail on a Monday morning a while back, there was only one message and it was, hi, my name is Velma. My friend said I should call you. I'm having problems in my house, especially with my husband. Please call me only between 1 and 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And if a male would answer the phone, hang up. And Please do not leave any kind of a voice message. And I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be interesting. Because this message that Velma was leaving, there was a very unhappy male ghost standing behind her. And I thought, hmm... This will be especially, obviously, she doesn't want her husband to know about this, so it's going to be interesting. Two days later, I got hold of Elma. She thanked me for calling her back so soon. I asked her who the friend was that recommended me, and Velma said my friend did not want her name mentioned. She actually said I should be careful about giving too much information to you. And I said, oh, okay. I said, will you at least tell me, did I do work for this friend? And Velma said she didn't know. So now my little flags are going off and I'm thinking, oh gosh, I really wonder what this is about. And I said, you know, Velma, I'm not a psychic. I do ask questions. So I'm not exactly sure what your friend said. She totally ignored my question and said, should I tell you what's going on? I said, sure. So Velma said about nine, 10 months ago, my husband started getting bad headaches, not migraines, but almost migraines. He didn't have them at work. He only had them when he was here. Now he's having trouble sleeping. He even started sleeping in the extra bedroom and not because I was snoring, But he said, I was breathing too loud, whatever that means. And I guess it was just a good excuse for him to move into the other bedroom. And she said, and of course, the nitpicking between us has gotten into some really loud arguments. And she said, my husband just thinks I'm trying to make him crazy. We have a finished basement. We are the party house. Wet bar, fireplace, pool table, pool in the backyard. My husband calls it his man in buddy cave. He come. He came upstairs last week and he said to me, so do you think you're funny? And she said, now what? 
He said, all the booze bottle caps behind the bar were open. The wine refrigerator is unplugged, ruined a lot of wine. And I asked him why he even thought I would do something like this. And he said, you're just trying to make me think that I'm doing this. You're just trying to think, make me think that I'm crazy. And I asked Velma, I said, what kind of work do you guys do? I, I don't need to know where, just what kind of work. She's hesitated and said she was an executive secretary for a president of a company. Not which company, what type of company, nothing. And your husband, I asked, and she said, I'd rather not say, just like she would never tell me his name. So I'm thinking, okay. I told Velma she had two earthbound spirits in the house. I explained what they looked like and what rooms they were in. There was a man and a woman. The woman, earthbound spirit, looked anxious and she held up her right hand and she had on a very, very nice opal ring and she was pointing to it. And then she would point to Velma. So she would point to the ring and then point to Velma. And I asked Velma, I said, what's up with an opal ring? I said, very pretty, a nice size opal. She said, oh, she said, what does the lady look like? I said, oh, 55 is short, brown hair. And, and Velma stopped me. She said, Oh, I bet that's my Aunt Virginia. The earthbound woman was shaking her head. Yes, yes, yes. I said, well, you're right, Velma. I said, she's shaking her head. Yes, it is your Aunt Virginia. She says, please, please, can you come over? I said, and I assume that your husband will not be joining us. She said, oh, no, 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 no. He doesn't believe in any of this, and I'm doing this when he's at work which you might be surprised I do a lot of when husbands are at work. So it was set up for the following week. I got there, and when I found the house, her car, which I assumed was her car, was in the driveway, and there was a state highway patrol car there. And I thought, oh, great, now what? And I went up to the front door and rang the bell and the statey answered the door. And I said, hi, I'm Marianne. Is Velma here? And he said, there's no Velma here. And I thought, uh-oh. And I, it's actually happened a couple of times, not often, thank goodness. But I thought, oh gosh, I got the wrong house. I got the wrong address. Now I have to explain to a state trooper what I'm doing here on his front porch. I said, geez, you know, I'm sorry. I must have the wrong address. Just then, a lady came out of the kitchen and said, Marianne, I'm Velma. And this is my husband. And I just looked at Velma and I looked at her husband and I'm thinking, why didn't he know his wife's name? And she wouldn't tell me his name. And 
I don't know. I had one of those moments. And I said, gosh, she's Velma. I said, are you Shaggy? And gosh, he didn't think that was funny. And he just looked at me like I was crazy. And he looked at Velma and said, what the hell is going on? Velma said, I'm sorry, Marianne. My real name is Vera. I just didn't know how or what to tell you. And I just looked at her. I said, you lied to me about your name. She said, yes, yes. I, I didn't want to give you my name. And I looked at the statey and I said, and I guess you're not Shaggy. And he said, no, very sternly. My name is Frank. I said, nice to meet you, Frank. We sat down and Vera said, I told Frank everything and there is no way you could have known about the opal ring. I said, well, Aunt Virginia's standing right here. I says, let's ask her what's going on. Aunt Virginia had told Velma, excuse me, Vera, that the ring was always supposed to be hers and that she did know where it was. And Vera said, where is it? She said, it's upstairs in your attic. And she said, no. She goes, yes. She says, you know that big hat box that belonged to your mother? She said, yeah. She said, you have all kinds of little, uh, very decorative purses in there that when you would get dressed up, you would take out. And Vera said, yeah, I know exactly which box it's in. She said, well, go in that box and there is a blue beaded bag about the size of your hand. Open it up and wrapped in a hanky is the ring. And Frank looked at Vera and he said, go upstairs. I want to see if you can find this or not. And I thought, wow. All right. So she went upstairs and there was the ring in the blue beaded purse wrapped up in a hanky. And she was only gone about seven or eight minutes. And Frank was not very chatty, but, you know, I sort of said, you know, I, I mean, he had his uniform on. The car was parked in the driveway. I obviously knew he worked for the state. I said, so how long have you been doing this job? And he sort of mumbled something. He really didn't want to talk to me. I, I don't know if he thought I was going to suck his brains out of his head or what, but he just really did not want to talk to me. And I said, Frank, I said, do you want to know about your ghost? And he looked at me and he said, and this is my ghost. And I said, it is. I says. Last November, there was a car accident. I says, and a man died. It was a single car accident. Nobody was, else was involved. His name was Tim. About 60, 62 years old. And he just looked at me and he said, yeah, I think I remember that. I said, Sam, the other statey, came to the conclusion with you that there were no skid marks, the weather was good, everything was okay. You wrote in your report, probable suicide. And Frank said, yeah. 
He said the autopsy didn't show any health problems. And he said, and Sam and I, we, we were right. It was a suicide. And I looked at Frank and I said, no, it wasn't Frank. Tim died, but he did not commit suicide. He had absolutely no breaks. Frank said, when he hit the concrete pillar, the car spun and it hit the pillar again. He said, that car was really smashed. He says it was a Ford Focus and it just bent every which way. And he said, I know it was checked out and they didn't say there was anything wrong with the brakes. And Tim said, there was definitely something wrong with the brakes. They weren't working right. And I had made an appointment to have them fixed the next day. And you can check that. So I looked at Frank and I, and he just shrugged his shoulders. He really didn't say anything. And Tim said, my wife couldn't get my insurance because of suicide. I couldn't be buried in a Catholic cemetery because of suicide. He said, this guy has just ruined my life. Yeah, I'm dead, but now he's ruining my wife's life. And I said, wow. He said, so yeah, I've been trying to get his attention. I've been mean, but you, I have to do something. Frank looked at me and said, I can try, but, and I stopped him. I said, okay. I said, you can try to look into it, right? And he said, yes, but, and I said, no, just leave it at that. You can try to look into it. He said, okay, yeah, I can look into it. I said, Tim, if I make the light, will you go into it like Virginia did? And he said, can I go to heaven? I said, of course you can go to heaven. I said, you didn't commit suicide. And back then it was still against the church to commit suicide. It has since changed, but that was the rule with the church back then. So I made the white light. Tim went into it. Frank said, after he was gone, I don't think I can actually do anything. I said, which is what I did not want you to say out loud. I says, I didn't want to give him another reason to stay. And he said, oh, oh, okay. And I said, but can you at least look into it? You know, Vera was thrilled with her opal ring and Frank just seemed a little confused with the whole process. But, you know, at least the house was cleared. The seeds went up and he carried one. He had one on his badge and he was totally protected. So you think this is over? No, not quite. About two months after I was at their house, it was about 11 o'clock at night and Ted and I had just started to watch the 11 o'clock news before we went to bed. And the phone rang and we just sort of looked at each other because what kind of call comes in at 11 o'clock at night? Usually not good. And it was Frank. Hi, Marianne, do you remember me? I said, yes. And he said, can you help me with something? And I said, if I can. And he said, I said, did you lose a seed in the house? Did you lose a seed on your badge? Is that what the problem is? 
And he said, no, 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 nothing like that. He says, I'm working. And there's been a three-car crash. Two people have died, and I think at least one more is going to do so. Two men and a little girl. And I think her mom isn't going to make it. He said, is there any chance you can come to the accident scene? I said, no. And he said, well, yeah, the cars are still here. And he said, one body is still here. He said, but do you think you can come out? I said, how, where are you? And he told me, and I said, yeah, okay. I said, that's about a half hour away. So I drove out there, and the one earthbound male was still there. The vehicles were in a tangled mess. Frank wanted to know if, and the dead, the, the ghost that was there, his name was Eugene. He wanted to know if he could tell him anything, if he knew what happened. And he got some information from Eugene that actually did help. Since then, I've done work for the State Highway Patrol in my state and three neighboring states. And it's crazy because Frank sent me a picture and he said, this is from one of the stadies that you did in another state. He took a picture of an accident, which we all do. He said, and when he had this film developed, this was on it. And he said, Marianne, he said, I never thought I would say this, he says, but I 100% believe in everything that you're doing. And here is the picture. Oh, let's go this way. There's the red car, and there is the spirit of Eugene. No scratch. Eugene was the man here. I don't never knew the name of this man. In my mind, I've just been calling him Eugene, which he really is not, because that was taken in another state. This was taken with a regular 35 millimeter camera. And they had to wait for the film to be developed. And this is what came out of it. So you never know what's going to be hanging around an accident. Now, were you able to help really solve all of that? And uh... they, yeah, the Eugene was able to tell him enough where they pieced it together and they got the right scenario. The mom actually did die also. Uh, so it was it was pretty nasty. But let's face it, any any car wreck is nasty if somebody loses their life over it. And this is actually pretty amazing because a lot of these spirits do stick around looking at their bodies. And it's like the realization that. I'm looking at myself. How can I be doing that? And then it dawns on them, gosh, I'm dead. And I I guess between the accident and looking at your dead body, I, I guess that's probably a lot to take in. I think so. Now, because it's such a traumatic event, now the portals can be created in houses. 
is it possible to have a portal created like outside at one of these like really horrible car wrecks? Yeah, I've never seen one. And unfortunately, when you drive up and down any highways, sometimes side streets, you see a memorial where people have put down flowers and candles and signs for somebody that has died at, you know, at that spot. And I have never, ever seen uh, a portal at any of them. But I'm really a firm believer that portals are really in interiors, not outside. So I have never seen that. Plus, I also have to admit that the day of the accident, you can find spirits walking around probably that were involved in the accident. But the memorials that are set up all over the place I've really never seen a ghost there either. So I think it must help more the living to make them feel better that they're paying respects to somebody that died than them actually being there. Now, what about the wife in the first ghost start? Like, did they ever get that straightened out to where she was able to get the the insurance money and like clear that whole story or did no unfortunately there was nothing that could be done and it was too far gone and he actually looked into if he could find the car but it had already been hauled to someplace and crushed in but you know what the guy made it to heaven he was happy that that's what that he got in and at this point, he's going to realize that there was really nothing that the state highway patrol guy could have done, that Frank could have done. But he didn't need to hear that before he walked into the white light. And so was that sort of tricking him? Yeah, I guess a little bit. But it was more important for him to get into the light than to be earthbound. Mm. Now, did you ever like touch base like through the years with like the wife, how she ended up? Or no, no, that you know. Kind of in the background. Yeah. It, as far as I know, obviously Frank would have never have said anything because I'm sure she would have jumped on that. Well, he didn't commit suicide. Now, I have fixed some of these, though. There were two other insurance cases where the man, uh, what it was not suicide with either one of them. And both of those did get reversed. Oh, good. Yeah, so it did happen twice. It happened once before Frank. And But when I heard how long ago it was, 10, 11, 12 months, that I knew that car wouldn't be around. The other ones could have gone back relatively quick, and they found the correct answers, and that's why it was changed from accident to not suicide. Mm. Now the the highway patrolman there. Um, I, I have to wonder how how much he maybe was second guessing some of his past decisions and like going forward. Like, is it really you know, his performance at work start to suffer a little bit? That confidence. Yeah, and that's what I thought when I got that first call from him. I thought, oh boy, he's not trusting his judgment anymore. And I thought, that's okay. Let me go see if I can do something. And even though, and it was sort of weird, even though Eugene was saying stuff, I would tell him 
And he'd say, oh, and then I say, and then Eugene would say, yeah, have him look over here. And I said, well, wait a minute, Frank, did you look over here yet? And he said, no. And he, he says, oh, yeah, okay. So he would have found the answers without me. But I almost think it got to the point where it was easier for him to have me there, if possible, to make sure that it was the right answer. Hmm. Well, hopefully he got out of that pretty quick. Did you uh, keep answering the phone calls for him? I did. And then it slowed down. And eventually uh, things, you know, die out. And and, then it got quiet. And it's been, it's probably been about eight or nine months since I've been contacted by state highway patrol. Uh, Other law enforcement agencies, yeah, they keep calling. But the state highway patrol, it's probably been... It's, it wasn't like it was before. But again, everybody gets older. This was 25, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. These guys probably aren't stadies anymore. Now, the, the new youngins coming in into the force, um, like how open are they to calling, you know, Mary Ann for certain things? Or is this like hokey and that's what the, uh, the old timers are doing? And well, let's put it this way. I have run across a lot of wives of law enforcement agency persons and which drag their husbands in, but I have not run recently from a wife that is a steady wife. And I think if it's going to pick up again, that's almost probably going to have to happen. Somebody new, younger is going to have to be proved or proven to them that this actually happens. Hmm. So interesting. Um, Yeah, these true crime ones, I think, are a little more fun. Um, This one comes on the heels of, you know, our last episode, which was a Uh two-parter. And also true crime cop involved right um yeah these are interesting and i know you are changing names and places to protect yourself and those involved absolutely yeah yeah the only thing the the only names that were true in this story were that i actually did call him shaggy especially since she said she was velma and i was going to ask where scooby-doo was but i thought i better not (laughs) Might be pushing pushing that line a little bit. Just a little too hard, right? He already seemed a little uptight. Yeah, and I don't think he actually knew what I was referring to. I don't think so, because, of course, being a steady, his hair was perfectly cut and combed over to what, I mean, come on. You knew immediately that he was not shaggy. So Right. Yeah, he's like, this is not funny. And right. Joke. Right. Oh. Well, that this was a this was a good. Well, they're all good episodes. I don't think we've done one yet that I'm like, mm, try again, Marianne. So thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, episodes drop every Wednesday, so uh, plenty of time to listen on your way into work or school, depending on when you might be listening. And then join us live 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on every social media platform that you can think of and discuss what you liked about it, what your favorite part was, ask questions sometimes. These interactive chats help spur Marianne's memory 
And uh, then we get an episode out of it. She's like, oh, yeah, I had one of those happen. Well, that's it. You know, there's so many. And until something jogs my memory, uh, it's like, well, yeah, we can do that. So and that's what I thought about this one when we finished the last episode. I thought, wait a minute. I know another one. So that's why we did this one. Mm -hmm. Come join us. Ask questions. Come come join the chat. Meet like minded people from all over, all over the place. We have friends all over the world. Yes, we do. (laughs) But thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for tuning into When Go Speak. Remember, no part of the podcast can be used, shared, or rebroadcast without the written consent of Marianne Winkowski and Melissa Wiles. Join us again soon. Goodbye.